Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Sambasale Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. I'm going to be giving you the box office recap for this weekend. I'm also going to be talking about the unfortunate passing of Robert Forster. Disney Plus announced their entire launching lineup when it comes out on November 12th and a whole lot more. But as you notice that I said before that I'm going to get into the box office recap, but that's not the story that I'm going to be starting off with today. Breaking news just happened around 20 minutes ago regarding casting for the Batman, and it was made official by Matt Reeves and according to The Hollywood Reporter as well, Zoe Kravitz is going to be playing Catwoman Selina Kyle herself in Matt Reeves' Batman starring alongside Robert Pattinson, and this comes after reports from Hollywood Reporter that Zoe Kravitz was screen testing over the, like the last week or so, and along with her, Ana de Armas, Ella Balanskia, and Zia Gonzalez were also auditioning for the role of Selena Kyle, and she was cast over the weekend, Zoe Kravitz was. Zoe is a part of Big Little Lies. She was also in the Divergent franchise. She's been in so many things over the course of the last 10 to 15 years that this is a huge, huge, huge breakout role for her. And it also comes with with a, a bunch of impacts, one of which is is that this that this decision is based off the fact that Zoe Kravitz in the comics, Catwoman is Caucasian. She's not any other ethnicity. And from what Matt Reeves has been doing with his casting, he doesn't care about that, and I absolutely love that. Zoe Kravitz is African-American. She's a mixture of Latino with African-American. She's also bisexual. So this is a, a pick that goes a long way of really showing diversity amongst the the cast and the, and, and the characters that they're, that Matt Reeves is choosing for the Batman. You see with Jeffrey Wright, who's playing Commissioner Gordon, in the comic books, he's Caucasian. And what Matt Reeves is doing, he is somebody of, of different ethnicity. And I, again, I absolutely love that. And I think Matt Reeves is seeing seeing something in which he's picking the best actors that are available. Now, between Zoe Kravitz, Ana de Armas, Ella Blanskim, and Azia Gonzalez, this is, you can clearly tell that Matt Reeves had a particular vision in mind for what he was going with. It seemed like he was going for somebody that was more of, again, multicultured, somebody that really wasn't an actual... Somebody was more again more more multicultural is the word I'm looking for. Ana Darmas is somebody who's more of the Latin hairline. Ella Blansky has a little bit more of a of a UK of a British of Brit. She's British, while also being African American. And Zia Gonzalez is a Latino, and you, you could clearly see that in, in that age range, she's going for somebody that is around that 20 to 30 year old frame. These are incredible women and I think any single one of them would have been fantastic. If I did have to choose for myself personally, seeing these women, I think Isa Gonzalez would have been a terrific Catwoman. I just, I literally can see her in the Catwoman suit bringing again that sleek, sexy style that Selena Kyle brings to the table, that seductiveness. But at the same time, while I would have loved personally me to see Isa in this, Zoe Kravitz is a tremendous pick, and I, again, she is such a multi-talented actress where she can portray that sleek and sexiness, she can portray that seductiveness, but at the same time, she can be real and emotional and opening and vulnerable, and I absolutely love that about her, so, and also the fact that she did screen test with Robin Pattinson, Matt Reeves obviously saw something 
the chemistry between the two of them must have been dynamic enough that he picked her over all these other incredible actresses. And also for both Anna Darmas and Ella Balenskia, both of them who are kind of newcomers. Anna has been around for a little bit more. She portrayed him. She was in Blade Runner 2049 a few years ago. She's going to be premiering in Ryan Johnson's new film, Knives Out, which apparently she has a tremendous role in. She delivers an amazing performance. But also Ella Belinskia, who is in The New Charlie's Angels, directed and written by Elizabeth Banks, coming out next month. And so for her, that Charlie's Angels is really her first major role. And for her to get that to, to get that and to then be considered for Batman, I think is absolutely incredible and speaks to the volumes of really the kind of actress she is and the kind of career she has going forward in the future. But again, to me, Zoe Kravitz is somebody who I'm really excited to see what she does with Selena Kyle. I think it's pretty incredible that Zoe Kravitz was at the red carpet premiere of The Dark Knight Rises years and years ago when it came out. And so I just love to find those full circle things where Selena Kyle, even though she wasn't called Catwoman, but Selena Kyle, who was betrayed by Anne Hathaway in the, the Christopher Nolan film in 2012, is going to be in this movie and carry on the legacy of Catwoman. And I'm really excited. Apparently, according to other reports as well, that the Batman, which be directed by Matt Reeves, is going to be starting to film either late, at the end of late of this year, in November, December 2019, or will begin in 2020 around the summertime. It doesn't come out until June 23rd of 2021. So right now, Matt Reeves is starting to flesh out his cast now, and what a cast he is going for him right now. I mean, again, between Pattinson being the Batman, who I think is going to deliver a knockout performance and be an incredible Bruce Wayne and Batman, to Jeffrey Wright being cast as Commissioner Gordon, you have Jonah Hill, who's in talks to playing potentially the Riddler, and you locked up Zoe Kravitz for the Catwoman. I, I cannot wait to see who else he casts and that we get big staples from, whether the people that we know that are big hitters like these three, or we get somebody that maybe is a little bit in the middle or we don't know a lot about that gets a chance to really shine through a big temple like this. So I'm really excited, and again, I'm happy that Zoe Kravitz was able to get this incredible opportunity. Guys, what do you think of Zoe Kravitz being cast as Selena Kyle, a.k.a. Batwoman, and Matt Reeves as the Batman? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now, guys, I'm going to head over to the box office recap right now. And, of course, the number one film this weekend for the second straight weekend is Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Zazie Beach, Robert De Niro, and directed by Todd Phillips. Grossed another $55 million this weekend. And that is huge because I talked about it last weekend when it opened to $96 million, broke the highest opening weekend in October, beating Venom, having one of the highest grossing R-rated openings, the fourth highest ever. It grossed around $300 million this opening weekend. It was an incredible feat for Warner Brothers and the cast and crew of Joker. It's got a lot of talk behind it right now, and I think we can say there's a lot of buzz. I don't want to put the word controversy around it anymore because even though there is some divisiveness between it, it's buzz. And good buzz, bad buzz, it's buzz no matter what. And Joker's box office traction so far has proved that as it only dropped 42% this past weekend. And that's incredible. And again, going back to the to the point that I didn't make before, is that talking about its opening weekend and talking about where Joker is going to land, is it is the talk going to keep going for the next few weekends, or was it a one-and-done thing and Joker's just going to not fall off the map, but dip down really hard and, and try to keep head above water and maybe gross around 300 to 400 maybe $500 million in its worldwide accumulation? 
and it's grossed over $500 million worldwide in its second weekend, and clearly people still want to go see this movie. The talk is still there. Maybe people want to go see it again because there's things that they felt like they missed out on, or maybe they didn't go see it opening weekend because they wanted to see maybe that this they, they didn't want to have all the controversy there, maybe because of the theaters, but they felt like maybe the buzz has died down, that they're going out to see it again for the first time. This is a, a cultural event. And, and when cultural events happen, people will respond to them. And I think Joker has really become that. And I don't think we thought of it, excuse me, I don't think we thought as Joker ever being an event like this on the scale of something like a, like a not even a Shazam, but something like a Captain Marvel or Spider-Man Far From Home in the sense that it is a very much talked about film that people are talking about on day's end and during dinners and with with work folks and and, and and with friends. So I think for Joker, this is a huge win. Again, it's over $500 million worldwide, domestically $192 million. It now owns the opening weekend and the second frame weekend in the month of October, beating Gravity this weekend, which had $43.1 million. Uh, excuse me, 43.1 yeah, $43 million. Joker blew that out of the water. And so I'm very happy to see this really all playing out for Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix. And this is going to be interesting that maybe the box office really results for Joker will help propel it during award season. So I think that's something to look out towards when we talk about Joker and what he brings to the table and Joaquin Phoenix getting a potential best actor and Todd Phillips maybe getting some recognition and the film for best picture getting some recognition. I think these are all going into play, and I think it's going to be interesting to see where Joker falls into line next weekend because you have Zombieland Double Tap coming out, which will probably skew away some of the adult audience. Then you have Maleficent Mistress of Evil coming out, which is a big Disney temple, their first really big one since The Lion King came out in the middle of July. Then, of course, you also have Jojo Rabbit coming out in limited release. So there's a lot of things to look forward to this weekend. That'll be interesting to see if any of the demographics will change from going to Joker and going to something like a Zombieland or even something like a Jojo Rabbit or even to a lesser extent, I think, Maleficent Mistress of Evil, which I think Maleficent will give Joker the best run for its money because of the the demographics that it can bring in from families to women to to people who are big Maleficent fans, the Disney princesses, I think, and, and being a Halloween film, I think really has a chance to, we'll see, It'll be. it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle of Warner Brothers and Disney going at each other. And But again, though, what a great weekend for Warner Brothers. What a great stretch for Warner Brothers after the kind of the abysmal returns they had in really a, a good portion of the beginning of 2019. But again, I'll use a sports analogy. When it comes to the end of the third into the fourth quarter, they're coming in clutch right now as they deliver the rest of their 2019 library. Guys, what do you think of Joker and what's going on with his with the performance of it? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section. And real quick, I'm just going to run through the rest of the box office. Coming to number two is The Addams Family at $30.3 million. It beat the expectations that were originally sent. It was around $25 to $29 million. But now the actuals have come in, and The Addams Family overperformed for MGM and this was a movie that again it's a family film even though Abominable is out it's still it's been out for about two to three weeks or so so there's nothing new out for the family and especially when you have the Halloween season going around right now spooky season and Adam family is spooky and kooky and, and, and all those things that I think families wanted to go see that and I think 
you could see that the audience responded with that in spades as it overperformed then. I wouldn't be surprised, again, if it legs out over the next few weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they decide on some sequel talks for this one. If you guys want to check out my review for The Addams Family, check it out in your this library for the Sam Bissell podcast. And speaking of, of another film that I reviewed, Gemini Man, that came in at $20.5 million dollars. While the Adams Family overperformed, Gemini Man underperformed tremendously. As again, only $20.5 million. This is an over $100 million budget with all the CGI that was taking place. It's a film directed by Ang Lee that also incorporates 120 frames per second, a high frame rate. It also stars Will Smith in a dual role, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, Benedict Wan, Clive Owen. So this is not a great look for Paramount and for Gemini Man. As they're probably going to be losing a lot of money unless it performs really well overseas but even in the break even it's gonna have to make around 400 500 million dollars to really crack through it and provide it to be a profit for the studio but it doesn't seem like it's going that way and i think this answered the fact that unless it's a franchise film like aladdin will smith might not be the box office draw that we knew him to be years and years ago when he when literally you just put him on a poster and people will come to the theater i think that that time has gone for a lot of people except for maybe one or two and will smith unfortunately is no longer one of those one two people really so it's a shame to see gemini men really falter but at the same time i also think that they didn't expect joker to be the behemoth that it was and I don't think anybody expected it, but certainly not not Paramount. I'm sure they thought, well, Joker will do good, and maybe we'll be able to overtake it. But once Joker had that weekend and going into this one, you, 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 if you were the studio, you would not be feeling good thinking, can we actually take the number two spot, let alone the first spot of this box office? And then you got to finish finish for third. It, it's a tough beat, but maybe the international box office can help out Gemini Man and Ang Lee and Will Smith. Coming in at number four is Abominable, $6 million to add to its $108.1 million worldwide total, along with $47.9 million domestically. Then coming in at number five is Down Abbey, $4.8 million, $152 million worldwide, $82.6 million domestically. And I think for this movie, Focus Features, this is a tremendous hit, one of the surprise box office stories of this fall movie season. And I think we're definitely going to be hearing some talks, especially with the success of the film, both critically and financially, some sequel talk in the next few months and even the next year or so. Then coming in number six is Hustlers, once again, with $3.8 million. It will become STX's third $100 million grocer and is also the second $100 million grocer this year after the upside which starred Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart that came out in the middle of January. And they're also looking to get into the title of potentially getting to $113.2 million. And why is that significant? Well, that is because Bad Moms, the all-time leader all-time leader, excuse me, in their worldwide grosses, is holding that spot, which is a film that stars Mila Kunis, Kristen Bell, Katherine Hahn, that was one of the STX's first films. They're really a baby studio. And it seems like Hustlers has a shot to overcome that performance and deliver some big, big, big record for STX once again, as this is a movie that surprised me. Jennifer Lopez is getting some Oscar love as well, and this is one that could be in the race, especially for Best Supporting Actress, come later in the year. Then coming at number seven is Judy. It dropped only 29% from last weekend, coming with $3.8 million domestically. It comes in with another $14.9 million. If you want to check out my review of Judy, Stick around below in the Sambasel podcast. You'll find the episode in the archives. This is a film that I, I love. I love. I thought Julie Garland, excuse, 
literally, I said her name. I thought Renee Zellweger's performance as Judy Garland was phenomenal. And so I'm so happy to see that people are going out to see Roadside Attractions' new film, which right now it's their highest grossing film here. And I'm really excited to see that Judy is getting the recognition that it so truly deserves. Coming in at number 8 is It Chapter 2 with $3.1 million. And worldwide, it's coming in at $445.6 million. Again, it's going to come short of eclipsing or even coming close to tying it, it the first It's record in 2017. But again, for what it is... And what It Chapter 2 did at the beginning of this of the fall movie season and kicking off, it is a tremendous success for Warner Brothers, especially now that they have Joker to lean on and deliver a one-two punch for the fall movie season. Coming number nine is Jexy, $3.9 million, filmed with Adam Devine. One that I haven't seen yet. I'm I'm interested because I'm a big fan of his, but other than that, it's her, but with a comedic sense to it, really, a, a comedic sense. So I think this is the one if you want to check out, check it out, but... It like, seems like not a lot of people did anyway, as Jexy, which is the third major release this past weekend, only came in at number nine. And then rounding out the top ten is Ad Asher with $1.8 million. The original estimate was at $1.9 million, but wasn't able to come close to that number this time around. And also coming in is Parasite, which grossed $376,000 in just three locations three locations and it has a 125 per theater average which is the largest of this year and is the largest since 2016's La La Land with Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone and is directed by Jamie Chazelle and of course we all know what happened at that year's Academy Awards and it is the 18th largest of all time in terms of its per theater average and so I think again $376,000 in just three locations combined in both New York and LA the film which is directed by Bong Joon-ho it is a film that won the Palme d'Or the highest prize that you can get at the Cannes Film Festival that premiered in May. This is a film that's getting a lot of awards consideration and it is a film that I think is on a lot of people's minds, especially when they're looking at films to look forward to over the next few weeks and into the months. So guys, what do you think of this weekend's box office? Were you happy? Were you excited? Are you looking forward to things that could potentially knock off Joker in the next week or two? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now I want to get on to some unfortunate tragic news that came out on Saturday. Unfortunately, Robert Forster died from brain cancer at the age of 78. He is considered by many to be one of the best in the industry. He was very, very much noticed and much, much known for his role in Jackie Brown, which is one of the earlier Quentin Tarantino movies to come out. Quentin Tarantino wrote Robert Forster in mind for Jackie Brown, and he was just somebody that he would show up in a movie, and I would just feel comfort in his performance, whether he'd be playing the bad guy or the good guy, and I think for what what he does in this movie, I think it's it's incredible. I think it's 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 something that is different. I think it's something that is inspiring, what he did in, with his career, and I never really knew this about his career, but the fact that he really had a turbulent middle part of his career and then came back in the back half and, and with, with Jackie Brown and with other supporting roles that he had, both in TV and film, it just shows up to never give on give up on your dreams and to the, pursue them no matter what and to keep your head up. And if something's going wrong, not to just give up on it right away and just to keep moving forward with what you want to do for 
really the rest of your life. And I saw El Camino this past week in a Breaking Bad movie, and my review for that is on the on the Sampasel podcast, so you can check out. But it was it was weird to watch him and 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 to see his performance as he's also on the show Breaking Bad and and in the movie. And I think for 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 him, I think it's just it, it's just incredible the fact that he was able to just do just be incredible for for, for who he was and, and what he did. And, and I remember him in Heroes as well. And that was one of the first times I really got introduced to him. And 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 again, he was just he just he just played the straight guy so well. And and, and he played with a demeanor that was fantastic. And He'll be missed deeply. Robert Forrester dead tragically at the age of 78. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the Forrester family. Now, moving on to Disney+. Plus. There was an announcement that came out today. Moving on to some more upbeat news to get back into it. Disney+, Plus is now... They're coming out November 12th with their launch date. And today, they decided to announce their entire launch lineup that they're coming out with that you'll be able to see all these shows and movies come out on november 12th and it's and it's over it's got to be over f- f- 700 maybe even more maybe around over, a little over a thousand of 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 these of these names of these products that are in there of, of, the, of these projects these shows and movies that i'm just going to not name all of them but it, it literally it ranged from 1940s to like to Snow White and the and and the Seven Dwarfs to Bambi and Dumbo all the way to Captain Marvel and Star Wars and I don't even know what else Descendants and so many National Geographic there were so many things that were coming out it was insane and I got to give it up to the whoever the social media department is for Disney Plus and for Disney themselves I got to give it up to them because. Man, to put out that many tweets in that amount of time is incredible. And I'm sure they had TweetDeck where on TweetDeck you can schedule all the tweets you want to send out. I'm sure they did that. I'm sure they didn't do it actually by hand and sit there and send those out. Because I would go crazy if I had to do that. And I'm sure someone did as they they typed it on TweetDeck that that is what they did. But still, I I just think that it it was incredible that the rollout they did. And what's even crazier is that they put out a three-hour video showcasing all the clips of the movies and TV shows that are going to be on Disney Plus when it comes out November 12th. They also announced that you can now pre-order Disney Plus for when it comes out. It'll be ready for you on November 12th. So you can begin to watch the old and the new of both TV and movies. And again, going to that price, it's $6.99 a month and $69.99 a year, which is incredible. Incredible. For Disney Plus, which has all this IP from Star Wars to Marvel to all, it's insane that they're starting out their base at $69.99 a month and $69.99 a year, and Netflix pays $12 a month for their products. I think it's it's going to go up as time goes on, but for right now, it is a perfect deal, and I'm going to be getting it as best at whenever I can. I cannot wait for when Disney Plus makes its way out onto the screen, which is less than a month away now, which is crazy. I remember talking about Disney Plus months to a year ago about what was coming out between The Mandalorian and this, this High School Musical, the musical, the series, and now what everything with Marvel Studios is doing with Disney Plus, and just what Disney Plus is trying to achieve is absolutely incredible, and I cannot wait to own it when it comes my way on November 12th. Guys, what do you think about all that is happening with Disney Plus? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now I want to go on to uh, a teaser trailer, that trending trailer, teaser trailer that came out this weekend, and that is for Doolittle, 
which is being directed by Stephen Gagan and stars Robert Downey Jr., Antonio Banderas, Michael Sheen, Emma Thompson, Rami Malek, John Cena, Kumail Nanjiani, Octavia Spencer, Tom Holland, Craig Robinson, Ralph Fiennes, Selena Gomez, and Marion Cotillard. And it stars Robert Downey Jr. as the infamous doctor who can speak to animals. And a good portion of this cast will be voicing a lot of these animals. And I remember hearing about this film for a while and what it could potentially be. It went through a lot of production issues and delays. And when is it going to come out? And it was scheduled to come out of January 17th of next year, which is a little bit of a worry for me that it's coming out in January. But I, I was like, okay, is this going to be good? I, I don't know. And for me, the trailer... First off, I say it all the time, music can make or break a trailer, and I love the slow rendition they do of What a Wonderful World. It mixes in there with the adventure, with the drama, and even though we don't know what's really going on, I think we get a good sense, and Downey Jr. is being Downey Jr. and killing it as he always does, and this will really be, this would be his first role after everything that went down with Avengers Endgame and, and wrapping up his time as Tony Stark and Iron Man. This, is, this will be the first major movie to come out since Avengers Endgame, starring Downey Jr., so... For him, this is a big deal this is to see if people can respond to him the same way that they did for when he played Tony Stark and, and the MCU. So I think that's going to be really interesting. The one thing I'm, I, again, two things I'm really nervous about. One is the January release date. I, I really, really trust a January release date. You've got to be a special movie to be coming out on that date if you're really that good of a movie. And also, the CGI in some of the animals does look a little wonky. I, I'm not going to lie on that. It, they, they do look a little weird and, and off-putting, and I don't know really what to think of that, but I know they do have time to really brush up on it, hone on it, and make it into the best they possibly can. But guys, what do you think of Doolittle and the trailer and the poster, which is really just him featuring all the animals? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now to go on to a movie that's coming out this this at the end of this year that could gain a lot of oscar traction and that is bombshell which is the story about these three women that were abused by the head of fox news at the time roger ailes and this is a movie that when the teaser came out it was a small simple teaser trailer that just focused on the three women played by charlie theron nicole kidman and margot robbie but the, the tension that was there and the suspense and the dread was incredible just for a teaser trailer you knew exactly what was going on and I absolutely loved it, and it seems like critics are agreeing as the movie had a special screening last night for a bunch of press and people that they know for the film. And from what the critics are coming out with, they adored this movie. Praise is being heaped onto the cast, particularly for the leading ladies, Charlize, Nicole, Margot. They're all getting acting acclaim for Charlize getting Best Actress acclaim, and for Nicole Kidman and Margot Robbie getting a plethora of actual uh, of of reception and of of actual nuance and and, and and incredible raves for their roles and their performance in this film and for bombshell so i'm really excited to see this movie people are calling it a bit of, a big contender that charlie's seems uncanny as megan kelly and she she could be one that maybe could usurp renee zellweger in judy playing megan kelly so We'll see how that goes. Again, I think Renee Zegwegger gave the performance of the year so far as Judy Garland. So we'll see if anybody can top that. And it seems like Charlize and a lot of and Bombshell in general has inserted itself into the award season conversation. And 
it's going to be one to watch out for, and it's going to be a big year for Margot, as again, she's going to be up for Quentin Tarantino's film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and even though she'll definitely have more to do in Bombshell than she did in Tarantino's film, she was still amazing in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Again, even though she didn't have a lot to say, she was great as Sharon Tate, and I think she's going to blow it off the rails with what she does in Bombshell. I'm really excited for what they have to offer. Guys, what do you think of all this? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now I want to go over to some superhero talk regarding Venom and director Ruben Fletcher who directed Zombieland and Zombieland Double Tap right now who's going on a press tour has stated in an interview that Venom and Spider-Man, the end game for Sony is to have them cross over together sometime down the line. Now, for Venom, there was maybe that Spider-Man could pop up, Peter Parker's Tom Holland could pop up in the actual movie. No credence to that had been given whatsoever, but it seems like now with everything that happened with the Sony and Disney deal, it seems like maybe Disney will be more more giving to Spider-Man actually performing in Sony's universe and appearing with Tom, with, with excuse me, not Tom Holland, Tom Hardy. And I think that would be really, really cool. I think having the two of them collide would be interesting. But I think Sony has to work on this universe first before they put Tom Holland into it. I think that's why putting him back into the MCU gives them the time to actually flesh out what they want to do with putting him into the universe and also still working on the Spider-Verse and everything they have going right with them right now without having to focus on Peter Parker's story and leave that to Marvel Studios right now as you focus on these other kind of, not Elseworld, but these spinoff stories right now before you bring Tom Holland back into it. And I'm excited for what Venom 2 has offered. Started by Andy Serkis, you have Tom Hardy coming back, Michelle Williams. I think even though Ruben Flesher delivered a... A, a film that was a guilty pleasure, I think, for a lot of people in terms of not being a great film, but you had fun with it. You had fun with the chemistry and what with Hardy brought to the table. It, it harkened back to the 90s superhero films that you kind of got with Blade and Spider-Man. And so I think that really kind of drew on people. And we'll see if it can do it again as Venom 2 will be coming out next year for the world to see. Guys, what do you think of Venom potentially colliding with Spider-Man? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts now to go over to another trailer that came out, and that was for Frozen 2. And this was a trailer that I wasn't expecting. There was no announcement. It dropped on Fandango's Twitter feed. And this was, this was one that I was just, it, it looked interesting. And what I really enjoyed about this one, it, it didn't offer anything new. It kind of offered some new footage, but oh, oh, same plot beats. We know what's happening. They're going on this adventure to rediscover how Elsa got her powers, which was explained uh, to people at D23 in August. But I think what's interesting about this trailer is the fact that it, it shows a lot more lightheartedness and, I, and that it shows comedy, especially with Olaf's character and even with with Honest with Honest character mixed in with Elsa. And I think it shows that this is going to be a movie that is going to be a balance. It's going to be a more mature movie as the characters have grown up since we last saw them, even though in terms of movie length, it's only been a few years where it's, it's been a little less than a whole decade, really, since we saw Anna and Elsa on the big screen. But I think seeing that, okay, we're, we're showing a more mature story and a little bit more seriousness, but at the same time, it's still a fantasy world. It's still a world for kids and for Elsa and, and Olaf. And to have the, those comedic moments, I think, really helps. And I think th this is going to be attached to Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, and show that Disney is going back onto the hype train that they did with their summer season in which they just kept churning out films left and right. And I think for this one, this is probably the, this one or the last trailer are going to be the ones that are shown before 
Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, as Disney's going to want to go right out there and say, yeah, well, you're going to enjoy Maleficent. Also, don't forget about Frozen 2 coming out in a little over a month but, but before it comes out on February. Excuse me, not February, on November 22nd. But, but I enjoyed this trailer. I thought it was cute. The animation looks gorgeous and incredible. So I really don't have anything bad to say about this trailer. Guys, what do you think about this trailer for Frozen 2? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. And then one of the last things I want to get into is Martin Scorsese's comments about doubling down on Marvel films. He, he reaffirmed his comments about them actually being kind of the same and, and, and that basically Marvel films are like theme parks and they're not actually cinema and people go to the cinema for experiences. And I'm going to get into this a little bit more. I'm running out of time right now, but I'm getting I'm going to get in a little bit into it more tomorrow. But I do want to say that, again, I support what people think. It's their right to think what they think, no matter what I understand. But I think now to, to say that it's it's not a theatrical experience, it's not cinema experience, I think he's wrong with, with at least saying that. It's okay that you don't like the films, but to say that they're not experiences for some people, that's alienating a a group of people that love going to these movies to the theater and experience them on the cinema. And I love Martin Scorsese and I love what he what he does. I'm excited for The Irishman. It's my most anticipated movie next to Star Wars to come out for the rest of the year. So to hear him say that, I'm a little disappointed. But and, and I understand that he's right to his own comments, but at the same time, it's you're 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 alienating a group of people that think of these movies as more than just theme parks that their actual cinematic experiences for them so i didn't like the comments he made there but they are what they are i'm gonna get more into it tomorrow and i'll have my more detailed opinions on those and finally guys the last thing i want to talk about is the anniversary of pulp fiction which comes out today it came out on of course october 14th of this year turns 25 directed by quentin tarantino star john travolta which really reinvigorated his career and made him a star again Star uma thurman and samuel l jackson who became a staple after this for Tarantino movies. It's one of the greatest films of all time. It's a film that is influential on so much cinema nowadays in terms of also giving us a more gritty indie film that was set in realism, but at the same time delivering these outlandish, crazy stunts and performances that were just incredible and put Quentin Tarantino on the map as one of the greatest to ever do it, and he's just solidified himself as just that. So guys, what do you think about Pulp Fiction? Is it one of your favorite Tarantino movies or one of your favorite films of all time? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Guys, that's going to be it for this edition of the Sample Cell Podcast. I know I went over today, but there was so much to talk about. I hope there's more to talk about tomorrow as we're just getting started with the week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Sample Excuse me. Make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Network and be sure to check out the other amazing shows they have on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis, and check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. You can check them out on their website, ambiguousproduction.com, also on Facebook and Twitter, at Real Ambiguous. Also, make sure to follow me on social media, at Twitter, at Basel Samuel, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L, -S -S -E and on Facebook, at Sam Basel, and at the Sam Basel Podcast. Thank you guys again so much, and until next time, keep on screening.